Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Things are scary in our nation right now. You can't help but notice that there's a parallel between the late 60s and the year we're living in right now, 2020. Pastor Greg Laurie says there have been several great awakenings in the world, the most recent in the late 60s, early 70s, and it can happen again. God sent a spiritual awakening. We call it the Jesus Revolution. It was a move of God. We need to be praying for this to happen. This is the day when the lost are found. This is the day for a new beginning. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Again, you hear all the angels are singing. This is the day, the day when life begins. Weather watchers will speak of the perfect storm when the confluence of different phenomena produce historic results. Well, in the climate of revival, there have been perfect storms too, when different factors combine to see a great wave of spiritual change roll out across the land or the world. Today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie helps us to see how we may be at the precipice of another great revival right now. Today's message is the finale to Pastor Greg's series on the end times. Let's read some scriptures together. Turn in your Bible to Luke chapter 12. Here now Jesus is telling us how we ought to be living and what we ought to be doing as we anticipate the imminent return of Christ. Uh, Luke 12 verse 36. Jesus says, Be dressed for service and keep your lamps burning as though you are waiting for your master to return from the wedding feast and then you will be ready to open the door and let him in the moment he arrives and knocks. The servants who are ready and waiting for his return will be rewarded. And I tell you the truth, says Jesus, he himself will seat them and put on an apron and serve them and sit and eat. He may come in the middle of the night or just before dawn, but whenever he comes, he will reward the servants who are ready. But understand this, Jesus adds this warning now. If the homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would not permit his house to be broken into. So you must be ready all the time for the Son of Man will come when least expect it. So let me ask you this question. Are you ready to go meet the Lord? Let's say Jesus was going to come back today. Would you be ready? We should not only be ready, but we should be anxiously awaiting His return. Again, don't just be ready. Be anxiously awaiting His return. Look at verse 36 here in Luke. Be like people who wait for their master, who when he returns from the wedding and knocks, they will open to him immediately. Jesus says, Behold, I come quickly. And the answer of the true Christian will always be, along with the Apostle John, even so come quickly, Lord Jesus. Anything that would stop you from saying that should be removed from your life. We should not only be anxiously waiting, we should also be working. Working. Look at verse 43. Blessed is that servant whom the master will find so doing when he comes. Doing. We're busy. We're about our Father's business. Now in contrast, we have the unprepared servant. Look at Luke chapter 12, verse 45, where we read these words. But if that servant says in his heart, 
My master is delaying his coming. It begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and be drunk. The master of the servant will come in a day when he is not looking for him. Now to me this is probably a description of a person who thinks they are a believer, but they are not a believer because of the way that they are living. It could also be perhaps a disobedient believer. But this is a person that is not right with God. Isn't it interesting that it basically is saying uh, this person is getting drunk and they don't think the Lord's going to return. I think it's a very dangerous thing when you come to have a theology that tells you Christ is not coming. You know, no matter how you come to prophetic events and there's different views on this topic, but uh, if your theology, so-called, says to you, Christ is not coming at any moment, something's wrong with your theology. Because that, my friend, is the theology or the teaching of the Bible. From Genesis to Revelation, Christ is coming back. Again, there are so many verses that deal with it. But this wicked servant Jesus speaks of says, oh, you know, my master is not coming. He's delaying his coming. And then he begins to do wicked things, which includes drinking. Why do people drink? Well, there's a lot of reasons for it. Some do it to escape. Some do it to fit in or be social. Uh, some do it to help them, so-called, deal with problems that they're facing. But in reality, it won't help you deal with your problems. It will actually create new problems. You know, I read an interesting article about how drinking heavily can actually change your DNA. This article said, quote, this is a study that was done, alcohol can actually prompt dangerous and long-lasting genetic changes according to cutting-edge research from Rutgers University. And these changes actually worsen a drinker's relationship with booze where they will crave it even more and it disrupts the natural effectiveness of two specific genes, one that governs the body's biological clock and the other that regulates stress. So it just turns everything upside down. And this contributes to the vicious cycle of alcoholism. Drinking contributes to three million deaths a year. I'm not speaking from a vacuum here. I was raised in the home of an alcoholic. My mother was a raging drinker. Every night she would get so drunk she would pass out. And then I watched the effect on her life. I, she was a beautiful woman. And otherwise how would I be so handsome, right? Anyway, uh, but she was a beautiful woman and I saw the effect of the drinking and the smoking and the party lifestyle and what it did to her physically and tragically when she was 70. She looked like she was 90 or even older and uh, it, it shortened her life and it ruined her life. And, and thankfully she turned to the Lord in the final months of her life, but oh, I wish she had done that sooner Listen, friend, don't come under the power of alcohol. I don't want to be under the power of anything or anyone but Jesus Christ. And the Bible says, don't be drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. You don't want to be under the influence of the spirits. Instead, be filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Listening to a new beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie from Harvest Ministries in California, USA. And today he's helping us to be ready for the last days by way of his message, Things to Do Before the End of the World. Let's continue. Jesus is coming. 
we should not only be ready, but we should be praying for revival before Christ returns. Praying for revival. How America needs a spiritual awakening. And things are scary in our nation right now. You can't help but notice that there's a parallel between the late 60s, maybe specifically 1968, and the year we're living in right now, 2020. It's interesting. Back in those days, we had a space program. You're shooting rockets into space, and we just did that together, didn't we? We had riots in the streets, and we have that as well. We have social unrest then. We have it now. We had incredible racial tension then. We have that now as well. It was a difficult time. Some thought that the country was going to completely unravel. But guess what happened? God sent a spiritual awakening. We call it the Jesus movement or the Jesus revolution. It was on the cover of Time magazine. Months before they had an ominous cover that was black with reversed out red letters that said, Is God dead? And then a few months later, a cover with a psychedelic image of Christ, because that was the style of the day, Jesus revolution. It was a move of God. And some experts say not only was it the last great American revival, but they think it may have been the greatest revival in all of human history. Well, whatever it was, I can tell you this much, that's when I came to Christ at the age of 17. And if you want to see a spiritual awakening, you need to be praying for it, and you need to be praying with great passion. God says in the last days I will pour my spirit out on all flesh and your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. We need to be praying for this to happen. I've quoted Second Chronicles 7.14 so many times. But it certainly applies. God makes a promise to Israel. And I believe in principle it applies to any nation. God says, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, God says, I'll hear from heaven, I'll forgive their sin, and I'll heal their land. <laughs> We'd like to see a healing in our land, wouldn't we? Well, it starts with God's people getting right with him and praying for this to happen. If my people, the Lord says, will pray and seek my face, Let's be praying for this to happen. Praying with passion. Like that woman who was praying for her child to be delivered from the power of Satan. And she said to Jesus, Have mercy on me, O Lord. My daughter is possessed by a demon. And the disciples said, Go away. You're making too much noise. You're, you're bothering Jesus. But she would not stop. She kept pressing on and praying. And finally Jesus stopped and said, Your request is granted. Ever hear that expression, the squeaky wheel gets the oil? Hey, be a squeaky wheel. Call on the Lord. And by the way, when you're praying for a spiritual awakening, you're praying for something that God wants to send. The secret to answered prayer is getting your request into an alignment with God's will. And when I'm praying for God to send a revival or an awakening, I'm praying for what He wants to do. So this is a very important thing for us all to be praying for right now. By the way, the devil doesn't want you to do this. Satan does not want a spiritual awakening. His mission and his strategy is to divide and conquer. He would love us to be divided over race or over politics 
or divide us over some other issue and we go into our little predictable camp and we argue over minutia and we miss the big picture. People are dying without Jesus and the church is debating other issues. It's time for us to wake up and remember this. Listen. The gospel is more important than anything. It's more important than our programs. It's more important than our preferences. It's more important than our politics. It's more important than anything else. And it's our message to the culture. Paul said, I don't want to know anything else among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. You know, it's interesting. You cannot find the United States of America in Bible prophecy. You know, I think you can make a very good case for finding Russia in Bible prophecy. I think you can make a pretty good case for finding China in Bible prophecy. You can certainly make an airtight case for finding Iran in Bible prophecy and Israel as well. But how is it that the reigning superpower on the planet today, the United States of America, does not seem to be mentioned? We're missing from the script. Where's Waldo? <laughs> well, no one knows the answer. And let's consider an option. What if it was because the rapture happened and it took America out of its lead role? For instance, there's over 300 million people in America. So we'll just round it at 300 million, though it's a larger number. And I read recently that 65% of Americans identify as Christians. Now, I don't know about you, but I do not believe that, okay? Because that, that would be over 150 million people in this nation who are followers of Christ. So let's be super conservative. Let's say 10% of America is actually Christian. 10% of our citizens actually are believers in and followers of Jesus Christ, okay? So now that's 30 million people. Now imagine it with me. Uh, for a moment, if 30 million people suddenly left planet Earth, people that worked in industry, people that worked in government, people that worked in the military, people that worked in every area imaginable, suddenly were gone in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. Don't you think that would affect our nation? Oh, we would change overnight. Effectively, we would collapse overnight. And then Antichrist will be revealed after the rapture of the church. So I don't know why we're not mentioned, but I know this much. I know Christ is coming, and I know I need to pay attention. Here's what Romans 13 says. Understand the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber, because your salvation is almost here, and the night is nearly over. The day has almost arrived. Yes, understand the times. Wake up. Wake up spiritually and see your need for God. Listen, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you got to wake up and get right with God. And if you are a believer and you're living a compromised life and you're drinking, you're partying, you're sleeping with your boyfriend, you're doing drugs, you're lying, you're stealing, you're doing things you know you should not be doing, you need to repent and you need to get right with God. Heard a story about a guy who decided to paint a church. He was hired. And he realized if he thinned out the paint, uh, it would go further. And so uh, the preacher didn't know. So this painter 
thinned out the paint with some turpentine and he's, uh, he's finishing it up. He's on the very top and he's on the last little part of the cross and suddenly uh, a bolt of lightning hit and he began to slip and he grabbed hold and he was barely hanging and he heard a voice that said, repaint and thin no more. Okay, that's a bad joke. But here's the point. The Bible does say repent and sin no more. That's what Jesus said to the woman who was caught in the act of adultery. Repent and sin no more. Do you need to repent? You say, I don't even know what it is to pent. How do I repent? The word repent means you change your direction. It's a military term. It means an about face. So if you're going this way, you just turn around like that. You've been going away from God. Now you need to walk or run toward God and get right with Him. Let me come back to that statement I made earlier from Scripture. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The Lord has been waiting for you to believe. What if this were your last day on earth? What if this was the day before Christ came? Or what if this were the day before you left this life and died? And you were unprepared. How tragic that would be. You see, Jesus died on the cross for you, so you could be forgiven of your sin. So you would not have to face the repercussions and ramifications of your sin at the judgment seat of God. Jesus took the judgment of the Father effectively upon Himself. Christ came to pay a debt He did not owe because we owed a debt we could not pay. He absorbed the wrath of God in your place and in mine. And then Jesus rose again from the dead. And He stands at the door of your life and He knocks. And He says, if you'll hear His voice and open the door, He'll come in. Jesus is coming. Are you ready? The end of your life is coming. My life, our life. At some point, we don't know when. Are you ready? Are you ready to meet God? If you aren't, why don't you get ready right now? You say, but how? You pray and ask God to forgive you of your sin and you ask Jesus Christ to come into your life to be your Savior and Lord. Only you can pray this prayer. Your parents can't pray it for you, kids. Your husband or wife can't pray it for you either. Uh, this is a prayer you have to pray. And I would like to lead you in a simple prayer. And if you want Jesus to come into your life, if you want to be forgiven of your sin, if you want to know with confidence that you will go to heaven when you die, then pray this prayer with me right now. So again, as I pray, pray this after me. You can even pray it out loud, but you don't have to. But pray this prayer after me. Pray these words, Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner, but I know that you're the Savior who died on the cross for my sin and rose again from the dead. I'm sorry for my sin and I turn from it. And I choose to follow you from this moment forward. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Greg Laurie with an important closing prayer with those making a change in their relationship with the Lord today. And if you've just prayed along with Pastor Greg and you asked Jesus to be your Savior, we'd love to help you get started by sending something called the New Believers Growth Packet. It'll help you to start living as a Christian. We'll be glad to send it to you free of any charge or obligation. It'll answer some of the questions you might have and help you build a solid foundation for your faith. Just ask for the New Believers Growth Packet when you call us on 1-800-00-5011. 
Well, tomorrow, Pastor Greg launches an important series, one of his best. It's called World Changes. It'll look at the biblical heroes of our faith. Be sure to join us tomorrow, same time, right here. Now, for a copy of today's full message, get in touch with Vision Christian Store. It was called Things to Do Before the End of the World. Just go to visionstore.org.au or call 1-800-00-5011. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.